Good morning. This is Bo Matthews, and welcome to Let's Talk on News Talk 1050 KSIS. Let's Talk is a one-hour program devoted to issues and developments that are of importance to Sedalia and the surrounding communities. By committing an entire hour to a subject and many times having experts join us in studio, we will be able to delve deeper into the topic of the week and provide you with a fuller understanding of what is happening in our community. This morning's show was pre-recorded. Welcome to another edition of Let's Talk on News Talk 1050 KSIS. I'm Bo Matthews along with John Meehan and Ron Tolner. And this morning we have Brand, uh, excuse me, Brad Anders, Pettis County Sheriff with us. Ron, you want to step up to the mic and get things rolling? Thank you, Bo, and good morning, everyone. As Bo said, we have Brad, An- Brad Anders with us today. Huh? See, you had a hard time also for too. some reason. That's right. We want to talk about uh, the operations of the uh, Sheriff's Department in uh, Pettis County. And there is, in my opinion, a lot to talk about all kinds of different subjects. We want to hit as many as we can. We want to hear what Brad has to say regarding his operations and future aspirations for the department, his frustrations, his successes. There are just uh, all kinds of things that uh, we want to hit during our uh, hour uh, in this program. Maybe to start out, Brad, just give us a brief overview of yourself, education-wise, past work history, what got you to where you are today? Well, first, thanks for having me. It is an honor to be here and uh, talk with you gentlemen and be able to uh, reach out to the public and give a little bit of message of what what it is that we're experiencing at the sheriff's office and where we're going and where we've been and that sort of thing. So a little bit about me. I am going on 20 years in law enforcement. I got into law enforcement. It was kind of a, a, a weird thing. I had owned a restaurant here in town uh, down at the Bothwell Hotel. It was called Delamici. And a buddy of mine, John Cook, was uh, he would come in there and eat dinner. And of course, he had some family that worked there for me. And I wanted to do a ride-along. Went and did a ride-along with him and it, the bug bit me right then. So I uh, I had always planned on getting into law enforcement. Uh, my de- my degree at that time was a bachelor's degree in criminal justice, and that was something that I wanted to do. But as soon as I went on that ride along, it was over. So within a year, I was working for Sedalia Police Department, trying to manage the restaurant at the same time. I ultimately, went up selling that and stayed in law enforcement. I've been there ever since. Went up to Lee Summit Police Department, where I worked as a narcotics uh, mostly, and uh, their street crime unit. Promoted to sergeant back in 2019 and ran that street crime unit for a while and decided to enter this race in 2020 and here I am elected as sheriff. My education, uh, again, I've got a bachelor's, master's, and PhD uh, all in criminal justice. It's been an interesting venture on the education side. It's something that I I wanted to go as far as I could because I want to be the best at what it is that I do and I think that education is a a good step forward. It's not the end-all be-all, don't get me wrong, but it's something that at least gives you a platform on which you can build in your um, professional career. Well, I know, Brad, you were uh, pretty much off and running as uh, soon as you were elected. And I guess what? We're just going into the second year? Yeah, it's been a year and a month. You might tell the listeners how you foresee the department now that you've been there a little over a year, what you've been able to accomplish, what you hope to accomplish yet, the wins and the losses. We know that the Sheriff's Department in Pettis County has a tremendous amount of work to do. And as far as 
I remember in this town, it was always a frustration as far as having the manpower to do it and all of the resources. And I don't think that's changed, but that's for you to, to say, I guess, rather than me. But kind of give us a state of the sheriff's department. So first, before I get into that, I want to make it clear that what I will say about my accomplishments or advancements or places that would still need improvement, not necessarily failures, but still need improvement, is in no way a reflection on the previous administration. I want to make that clear. We run things differently. Uh, We have different views of of law enforcement, and uh, the man has been there for me left and right. So I I just want that (laughs) to put that out there. And nor is anything I'm going to say an attack on any other entity within the the county of Pettis, Uh, meaning the commission has been fantastic to work with. They're doing everything they can. Our IT department is phenomenal. They do everything they can. Our maintenance is fantastic. They do everything they can. But there are places where we need some improvement, and it's not has nothing to do with those entities themselves. It's more of the, the you know the jail itself and the operations of the sheriff's office. So we can talk a little bit about uh, what has changed over the past year. And I knew coming into this it was going to be a, a large task. I had seen the policy manual before. I knew that it was sorely lacking, and a lot of those policies were reflective of 1980s, literally policies, if not before. So that was going to be a, a, a topic to address. So first thing off the bat, I changed that use of force policy to where we are a little less open for litigation when use of force occurs. Uh, there were some things that needed to be in that policy that weren't in that policy. That was part of the first thing I did was change that and put in a no chokehold part of, uh, of that policy, which was now mandated by the federal government for you to be able to qualify for uh, JAG grants and anything like that. We decided that we were going to go to a 12-hour shift, and in order to do that, we needed to add a couple deputies to the road. We were able to move around some manpower uh, that we currently had, and we added a deputy last year uh, that would give us 16 to work the road. Uh, Those 16 are separated into four different shifts uh, that run 12 hours uh, each shift. So we have 24-hour coverage with a minimum of three deputies, meaning that if somebody calls in sick, you're already at minimum. You know, or if somebody has a vacation day that day, you're at the bare minimum, and you can't go below that minimum. If so, you've got to uh, call somebody in, or somebody's going to stay over just to make sure that we have that there to allocate those resources where they need to be. But it's not enough. You know, it's it's a far sight ahead of where we were two years ago with manpower on the road. Brad, tell the listeners the 12-hour shifts. How does that work out? So is that three? 12-hour shifts, or because that would then be 36 hours? I mean, how do you do the 40 hours? So it, it, it's a rotating every every two weeks. The same shift will work Monday, Tuesday. They'll be off Wednesday, Thursday. Then they'll work Friday, Saturday, Sunday. The following, they're off Monday, Tuesday. They work Wednesday, Thursday, and off Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So is there overtime a, play a four, into that? There's a four-hour overtime that's built into that, but they get a four-hour early day every two weeks. So each is assigned a day that they leave early for four hours. So actually, as far as expenses are concerned, Concerned, there's no overtime pay. So, yeah, we've gone forward with the 12-hour shift. I think it's been beneficial as far as getting the manpower out there that needed to be out, well, that we can afford to have out there at this point, not necessarily what it needs to be. But they're out there. But there again, you have, you know, three people that are patrolling a 682-square-mile county with 44,000 people in it. You know, and despite what, uh, you know, jurisdictional boundaries there are, we do serve the city of Sedalia just as we do those that live out in the county. It's, 
it's part of the county and we we owe that to them so we are uh, looking at trying to build those ranks that would be an area of an improvement when it comes to manpower we're short tremendously when it comes to investigations we're short when it comes to patrol but we're not short the people right now we're short the the positions so we're fully staffed for with what the budget allows for it to be in patrol and in corrections but that fully being fully staffed isn't enough to to give the service to the county that's that's necessary daily i'll have people call in that are frustrated with you know speed speed complaints drug houses that haven't been hit yet things that personally impact them you know this is a problem that impacts me therefore i'm going to call and make sure that you do something about my problem right now and and it should go to the top of the list of hundreds of other people have the exact same problems does that make sense and I, i get that you know and i feel that frustration but when it comes to working those types of cases it's not as easy as just sending somebody out there and knocking the door you know those things take months especially the drug cases they take months to go over and the speed complaints you have to have the manpower to be able to send out there to address that effectively and we just don't you know we're doing what we can brad so address a little bit more about the staffing issues that that are there can you reflect back or of course this goes before you became a pettis county sheriff but how many staff members and patrol officers did we have uh, say 10 years ago and and the increase over the years and where we're at today of yeah. how many staff members i don't know i don't know what it was 10 years ago i know where what it was when i came there okay you know so we've increased uh, we've increased two positions on the road since i came there and what it was 10 years ago and manpower i don't know so you have right now you say you're fully staffed but it's just those different positions that you can't fill is that because of experience with some of those that to no. go into those positions it's or? because of budget the okay. positions okay. are not there okay to fill all right okay you know but you've, if, uh, you've got the manpower but you just the manpower is there right. we've got people that are begging to come work at that sheriff's office right now okay uh, in a variety of uh, roles whether it be in investigations or on patrol and some in, cor- in corrections that are, are wanting to come work with this administration and wanting to be part of this team, the positions just aren't there. And again, the, the county commission has done what they can. They have been phenomenal with uh, with helping me. I, we have a very good relationship. You know, I talk to them as if, uh, you know, we're, we're business partners. You know, so I tell them, I keep them informed of everything that, that goes on in the county. And in turn, you know, they do what they can to help me be as successful as possible. And, and they have, they've delivered on that. But sometimes you can't just start pulling money and giving it to the sheriff's office because the sheriff's asking because you get along with him. You can't do that. You know, at some point we need to ask the voters and ask the public for assistance, which is why we've got that Proposition A that's out there now. And I do want to hit on Proposition A in a little more detail as we get further into the program. The thought hit me when you talked about the net increase of uh, two personnel since uh, since you took office. was just curious, did that come about due to greater appropriations from the county or did the sheriff's department have to rob Peter to pay Paul. In other words, using your own sources and reallocating them to get there. Um, we've had to reallocate uh, some some of our budget lines and into other lines to pay for uh, a few things, vehicle maintenance. We added three new cars to the fleet uh, last year. Not new, they were used. We bought them used from the Highway Patrol. So we've had to add those to the fleet. You know, fuel, vehicle maintenance, and that sort of thing. It went down pretty quick when it comes to uh, to those budget lines. So we've had to move some out of uh, other lines to cover that. Of course, we added a new canine. That's a new addition that we. Have have that it's not a huge expense for for that canine but you know still has some upkeep involved with uh with that you know aside from that the money's just not there you know the, it's not coming in through the tax base and they can't put it in into general 
revenue for us to utilize the way that, again, this, this is this is me. You know, it's not uh, anything else. This is what I think needs to occur in this law enforcement agency. It's a better serve the public. I hear the complaints. I see the, you know, the good things and the bad things that come with with being a police officer or a deputy in this county. And the only answer is is to step up and act like this is 2021, you know, 2022 now, not 1980. Well, again, we want to hit the uh, Prop A uh, request later in this program to get a little more detail of, of just where the Sheriff's Department is hoping to go resource-wise and what you can do with those resources. For the time being, I, I kind of want to come back to the county itself, the services that you perform. I guess I don't know this, so I'm asking it, but I have a guess that uh, you know most of us in this community, when we, when we watch our news or listen to our news and we hear about everything that goes on, say, in Kansas City or St. Louis and all of the things that they have to face from a law enforcement standpoint. My guess is it's probably not a whole lot different here. It may be volume-wise, but the type of things that you face. So I guess in particular, I've got questions on uh, drug enforcement. How bad a problem is it? Sex trafficking. I mean, I've heard reference to that in this community, which I don't think you would typically ever guess it. But, you know, is that an issue here? And and some of those big items that may just shock the dickens out of people. Yeah, there are some people have that idea of when you're in a smaller community, you're kind of in a bubble and somehow protected from some of the issues that that occur in those larger cities. And those two larger cities of which you spoke earlier have a slew of problems, you know, when it comes to every issue that you just just mentioned. And I worked a lot in the Kansas City area, in, in Kansas City, in Independence, in Grandview. And I've been able to see how those communities have been impacted like that by by that type of an issue. We don't experience that level of it here, but it's still here. This county is kind of odd in the in, in, in the in the way that there's so much drug traffic in this area. It, uh, people would be surprised by that. I've tried to keep people on the up and up when it comes to telling them about what it is that we've been doing. And one of the primary focuses when I took office was the drug issue, the uh, drug trafficking, uh, the, the drug trade around this area. And we've uh, we've hit a lot of dealers, a lot of people that have been you know bringing that substance and those substances. The primarily we're talking meth here more than anything else. But we've hit a lot of those houses. We took a lot of people in jail. We've taken a lot of money, a lot of drugs uh, off the street this last year, a lot more so than we have in the past 10, 15 years. But it only makes a dent. You know, it's never you're never going to get out ahead of it. There are others that are out there. I know. Uh, where they are. We know where they are. We know that you're frustrated we haven't got to them yet, but there are times coming. Uh, these investigations, when it comes to drugs, take months, if not years. The fact that you call and say they're selling drugs at XYZ address on Main Street doesn't give us probable cause to go kick the door and take them to jail. It takes months and months to build that probable cause to where it's going to stick. You're going to get a charge that's going to stick. And we have a prosecutor here that will prosecute those crimes. You don't have a prosecutor that will prosecute those crimes in those two cities of which you mentioned earlier. And I know the other one firsthand when it comes to drug crimes, working narcotics in that Jackson County area. And, you know, you have nothing. We're not like that here. So we're very lucky that we have the, the people that are willing to do their jobs in a, a, a law enforcement group that's willing to work together and, and bring those problems down. At this point, we're going to take a break and we'll be back in a few minutes with our second segment of Let's Talk on News Talk 1050 KSIS. A reminder that Let's Talk can be heard Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. on News Talk 1050 KSIS. The show can also be heard on the KSIS radio app and also at KSISradio.com. 
You can contact us with any comments, questions, concerns, and ideas. Back for the second segment of Let's Talk on News Talk 1050, KSIS. I'm Bo Matthews with John Meehan and Ron Toner visiting today with Brand. Uh, Brad, I did it again. And that's third time. That's a third time. It's a charm now. Brad Anders, Pettis County Sheriff. And Brad, we had ended the last segment, our first segment, and give you a chance to kind of pick back up what we were talking about last hour, or last segment, I should say. Yeah, I think we ended on uh, talking about some of the drug investigations and that sort of thing. The addition of a canine unit uh, for, uh, for Pettis County has been a huge advancement in the the fight against drugs that we have here. I hesitate to say war on drugs that insinuates that there's a winner at the end of the day. Nobody's winning this. You know, it's, it, it is a constant battle. And it's a fight, something that you have to you have to address for a number of reasons. But um, we will get to those complaints and those that are offending, you know, throughout the county that we know of. And I know the, 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 the reports come in. Again, we just need to reiterate that this is something that takes a lot of time to try to build and with limited resources on what seems like an infinite number of drug targets you got to take what you can you know that's that's their kind of it's not necessarily low-hanging fruit but it's the ones that are of higher priority at this time you know one thing i just want to reiterate for for people that are listening and watch a lot of television it's not like it is on tv to where all of a sudden they hear there's a drug house and they go kick down the door like you said it it can take months and years sometimes yeah we have the constitution you know that uh that that gets in the way of that (laughs) no if we were just to run rampant and uh you know be able to go boot doors like like it is on tv it'd be a heck of a lot easier but you know thank god we do have protections from you know government overreach like that in that united states constitution so we're very thankful that it's there, uh, but that plays a pivotal role in trying to build a case against somebody and maintaining their rights. So it's, it's, it's not as easy as what you see on TV. And most people know that, I'm sure. But moving into the sex trafficking thing, Ron mentioned uh, some sex trafficking. Uh, there have been allegations of that sort of thing occurring here inside Pettis County at some of the some of the local motels. Uh, we at the Pettis County Sheriff's Office joined the uh, Missouri State Attorney General's Human Trafficking Task Force last year to get better trained uh, and get some more uh, input and resources to address uh, potential sex trafficking, whether it be child sex trafficking, uh, human trafficking through with, with adults, whatever the case may be. So we're we're building up to where I I I hope to be to be able to recognize some of those issues. In my previous job, I worked with the FBI rather closely on their annual, I think it was Operation Cross Country, is what they would call it, which was direct, directed specifically at human trafficking for prostitution, that, that sort of thing. So I learned a lot in doing that, um, but you know, it's something that we need to continue to address and monitor here in Pettis County. Um, one of one of the other issues that we uh, you know, that is of primary importance at the sheriff's office is that of uh, domestic abuse. That's something that is relatively prominent as it is in other agent or in other jurisdictions, which is unfortunate. But we do have the resources here to address that. We do have CASA. We work closely with CASA with those types of issues. I have spoken with the judge about a process of obtaining emergency ex partes and getting that process etched in stone. We've uh, are in the process of implementing a lethality assessment protocol for a response to all domestic violence calls where the deputy will determine whether or not this is something that would trigger a, a, a protocol, an immediate response to CASA for a domestic abuse counselor to be available right then and there. 
the Adult Abuse Act requires that we inform them of these, but we would like to. T- I would like to take it a step further to where we provide that access immediately, right then and there, for those that are at possibly at risk of something worse coming along. Right. And because everybody knows this, that you know the domestic violence never ends. You know, it's it's a never-ending cycle. The abuser can always say, "I'm, I'm going to do better," and rarely, rarely does that happen. And sometimes it escalates into murder. You know, and we don't want we don't want that at all. You mentioned uh, uh, the cooperative effort between you and, and CASA, of course, in that particular area of, uh, of uh, abuse. Understand that you have to work hand-in-hand with a number of agencies. You might just give a quick rundown, Brad, of your other cooperative efforts in the community and just how that works. So there are a variety of different agencies that we work with on, on a daily basis. Uh, the most obvious, of course, is going to be Missouri State Highway Patrol and Sedalia Police Department. The relationship between the deputies and the troopers has always been fantastic. They work calls together. Those troopers in, in counties like Pettis are an extension. They're a force multiplier for a sheriff's office that's understaffed that will respond to domestic violence, that will respond to homicides, that will respond to any type of a call that a deputy would, whereas their primary function is that of traffic. You know, That's the whole idea of Missouri State Highway Patrol. You know, they have investigative arms, but you know, their primary purpose tends to be traffic-oriented. But when, it, when they're here in a county like this, they are a tremendous asset to be able to uh, help and respond to those, to those calls. And they, they do it. You know, they, you don't hear a peep out of them. You know, they're happy to go out there and help. And that agency is just phenomenal to work with. And it's an honor to work with every one of those guys, to be honest with you, that are here in Pettis. Today, Police Department... It's something that we have been working on that relationship for a while. Of course, I started my career there. The current chief was my primary field training officer when I got into law enforcement. So we have a history there, a good history of friendship. We were able to work together well. I talk to him weekly. If something happens, you know, I'll, I'll call him. But something that crosses our uh, jurisdictional boundaries, I'll give him a shout. And uh, we, we talk again quite often to share that intelligence and share information. One of the things that would come out of that Proposition A is a new report management system if it were to pass, and we would mirror what uh, Sedalia Police Department has with their report management system. We don't share information that way through our report management system. We share with other counties, but not the primary agency with whom we work. So Sedalia Police Department has no access to our management, our reports. It's going to take a phone call to somebody to try to put one and one together, but you're talking half a million dollars initial purchase for a report management system like that from the one in the management system we have right now i'll be honest it's the worst i've ever ever seen in my time in law enforcement i've been exposed to a handful of them and i've never seen anything this bad (laughs) it's awful to our listeners that might have just joined in here we have the pleasure of having uh, sheriff anders in our studios this morning Uh, sheriff anders you were talking a little bit about cooperation with the sedalia police department and the other entities throughout our community one thing that i know was a matter of discussion 10 15 years ago with Central Dispatch, yeah. our whole 911 services that are out there. I know that uh, that Central Dispatch, it is operational now, yep. which uh, took a long time to get there, and a lot of good minds had to come together to get to make that work. Yes. They're uh, in a location at the, I believe, at the in the basement of City Hall or the, the police, department. police Department. Okay, so, and that's, of course, a good, safe place for, for that kind of an operation. When, to get more specific, to the Sheriff's Department on 
on it. I know that they handled their own dispatch prior to this central dispatch, and you had dispatchers. And I think, you know, just simple math, that's going to require maybe four dispatchers to work, even if you just had one person there 24-7. Okay. So what happened to those positions? That Were they taking those positions put into your staffing needs, or are they just gone? Three of those positions were rolled into our current staffing because we had to form a records unit. This uh, this department has ran without a records unit or records division since the beginning of time. But with the way we are now, with electronic uh, formatting, with destruction dates of evidence, a destruction date of files, you have to have a, a centralized division for records. So we kept three of them. The other ones went over to Central Dispatch. And, and was that a federal mandate? Is that federal law, federal statute, that those records that you keep and oh, you have yes. to keep now? Yeah, there are mandates on at the federal level, at the state level, on records management. Mm-hmm. If, if it's just kind of left out there to, to remain. In the state, for instance, we have not necessarily criminal intelligence, but intelligence itself, that we have a file that we've created on allegations of criminal activity with a certain group, with a certain person. Those have a destruction date. If nothing comes of this, you can't start keeping files on people as a government agency. Federal law mandates that you destroy those within five years. Just as an example of one of the things of why we need a records division and why we have built a records division now. Okay. Uh, we just got done writing policy. I brought that up at the beginning of the uh, of the show, and the the policy manual again was uh, very antiquated. It Wednesday, just I mean two days ago, I finished with our new policy manual. We've got some uh, tweaking to do on it, and we've got a few things to create before it goes live, and we hope that it will go live uh, May 1st of this year. But, you know, it's it's an updated, specific, very specific policy manual that narrows the scope of expectation on a variety of different issues, whether it be calls for service, how to respond, you know, in a, a bomb type of a situation, how to respond in mutual aid type situations. There's a variety of different things that are outlined specifically that haven't been done before that takes a lot of the guesswork and makes it much more enforceable to hold people accountable and hold those deputies accountable to our policy manual. So, Sheriff Anders, with that policy manual, I'm assuming that there has to be some additional training for your deputies and that sort of thing. So that's got to all go go hand in hand. Tell tell us to get back to Central Dispatch. How is that actually working for you? So, where before, uh, the dispatch would send it to your dispatch and then somebody would send the the deputy out on the call and that sort of thing. So, who's actually uh, sending those deputies out now so in order to have a deputy dispatched uh, previously you would dial the sheriff's office 827-052 number Uh, that is no more it is 826-8100 for a dispatcher to dispatch a a deputy and it all comes from again central dispatch from joint communications they're dispatching for the the police department they're dispatching for the fire departments both county and city and they're dispatching for the pettis county sheriff's office and they're dispatching for ems so pcads they're handling all of that and they're doing a fantastic job at it you know they've been good with uh, the interaction over the radio they're very professional over the radio everything i've heard that comes out of that that entity has been phenomenal you know it's a matter of trying to keep them staffed as well they're they're having staffing issues danny who is uh running the show there is working her tail off to try to cover you know short staff things like that it's just what they're doing with what they have is amazing no complaints when it comes to that and i'm very happy that it's uh, that it's there okay it took a lot off of our plate sure and, and i think maybe our listeners would want to know that that is uh, central dispatch 911 process is all being funded by a group of folks and number one the county right for their needs and of course the 
the city of Sedalia, but yep. with the Sedalia Police Department and the Fire Department and PCAD, the Pettis County Ambulance yes. District. So those funds, everybody contributing in together yes. supports that one quality organization. Correct. Uh, Sheriff Anders, again, thank you for being in our, our studios here this morning and, and sharing with our listeners. Uh, w- one thing, folks have gotten the concealed and carry, and, and I think the department basically encourages them to get their training, and once they get their training, they get a certificate and they bring it to you for your concealed and carry uh, permit that go, then goes to the license. Any of that thing, part of that, has any of that changed? No. You know, we support that training. Matter of fact, I just put my wife through that okay. training uh, to get her own concealed carry permit uh, just this last year. And the reason so is this is a state that does not require you to have a concealed carry permit to carry mm-hmm. concealed. Uh, you can open carry, you can carry concealed, you can do whatever you want in this state. But the, the reason that we would encourage the training is you get training. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you have an idea of how the weapon functions, you know, how it shoots, the you know, your safety mechanisms, of whether they're present or not. A variety of different things that you learn through those those courses that I think are very valuable for those that... Uh, that sure, I, and and I'm a probably a testament to that. I do not carry, mm-hmm. but yet I've taken the course just yeah. to be familiar with what, you know, what goes on and a little piece of law enforcement and all of us that just want to be de- right. uh, defend ourselves. Speaking of defending yourselves and the department, uh, talk a little bit about uh, the cameras that you might have in the, the patrol cars and then also uh, on their on the on your staff members so obviously the presence of body cameras or the lack thereof were uh, kind of a pivotal issue during the election this last go-around and prior to my arrival uh, sheriff Baum was able to work with the county commission to secure funding for the purchase of body cameras uh, for uh, for the deputies that are on the road it is mandated through our new policy that they wear the, granted he had a policy that they had to be on uh, and, and, and worn, uh, but it was kind of one of those things that came about after a, uh, you know, a, a tragic event like that. Um, our policy is very specific on um, the activation, deactivation of that um, to include the report writing. If you, uh, you know, if you turned it off for any reason, it's going to have to be justified why you turned it off. But you know, body cameras only catch a portion of it. You know, there are other needs that we, again, are lacking. Right now, currently, everybody that works the road has a body camera. There are some detectives that may go out that might have to share. Um, I've, you know, I've loaned my body camera that's assigned to me out sometimes to, to others. And, you know, not everybody that has that is sworn has one. So they have to borrow, if that makes any sense. But we are lacking dash cameras. In today's age, you have to have enough evidence to either show that an allegation is true or show that an allegation is false. Cameras are a good contributor to that. They're not the end-all, be-all. Uh, by any means, but they can contribute to that uh, you know, manifestation of solid evidence to help a case one way or the other. Dash cameras are a great, a great way to do that. We're short 11 dash cameras. It's going to cost roughly $70,000 for, uh, for those cameras that we don't have. Um, we'd like to be able to get that implemented and get those installed into the, uh, into the cars where every vehicle that is patrolling the county of Pettis has a dash camera installed and uh, every deputy has a body camera that's on. The systems can integrate to where anytime you activate your lights, both your dash camera and your body camera come on. You don't have to do anything. That activate it the mere activation of your emergency equipment turns those on and that's where we want to be that, that, that would be real important if they're on a call and it's a really high intense call you don't want to have yeah. to worry about turning something on yeah you want to get the job done right and i don't have that so when i go on search warrants i'm jumping out of my car and i'm hitting my button as i'm running up with a gun drawn mm-hmm. to make sure that thing is is on in case something happens i 
is there. The other guys have it where theirs, theirs activates, but mine doesn't do that. But it's just the way that the installation is in, in my vehicle. Let's take a break. We'll return in a couple of minutes with our third and final segment of Let's Talk on News Talk 1050 KSIS. A reminder that Let's Talk can be heard Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. on News Talk 1050 KSIS. The show can also be heard on the KSIS radio app and also at KSISradio.com. You can contact us with any comments, questions, concerns, and ideas. Continuing with our third segment on News Talk 1050 KSIS, I'm Bo Matthews with John Meehan and with Ron Toner. Let's talk every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. And we have with us today Brad Anders, Pettis County Sheriff. John, back to the microphone. Sheriff Anders, again, thank you for being with us here in the studios this morning. Uh, most people in our communities and uh, community and our uh, uh, listeners are probably not aware of the history that surrounds the Pettis County Jail uh, and how that actually, I believe uh, Todd Smith was the presiding commissioner at the time. Mm-hmm. We had a very small jail, uh, which is now the juvenile office uh, in Pettis County. And then we had another small jail at the municipal building or the police department, and those were just kind of pretty small, confined areas. So they was a with a cooperative agreement set up what's now the Pettis County Jail, and of course the city came forward with some significant funding at that time. But now it is completely the responsibility of Pettis County to operate that jail, and I believe that the city police department, when they have a, a citizen that has done something incorrect in our community, they get booked and everything at the Pettis County Jail. So that's something that you, uh, uh, you're you in charge of and making sure that's happening. And right. and now that jail is 20 years old and needing of some improvements maybe and then also just mainly repairs also. Can you address a little bit of that? Uh, you're correct that uh, there was an agreement uh, back in the early 2000s that was created for the city to fund the, the construction of the Pettis County Jail. And part of that agreement is uh, for free housing of uh, municipal inmates. Uh, We currently run an average of 150 inmates there a day. A good portion of those are are city. When I say city, they're arrested by the uh, Sedalia Police Department. Sure. And they are now likely being held on felony charges that will ultimately come with a a sentence to DOC potentially. So to make sure that our listeners understand, then the city doesn't pay to house those prisoners then. And so the the state of Missouri does have some funding, uh, and I know at one time they were paying $30 per day per per inmate. Has that increased, or no. do you still get some funding from we the state of Missouri? We still get funding from them. It's not $30 a day. Okay. Um, what uh, if, if somebody's been sentenced to the Department of Corrections, they'll, they'll pick up that tab. Uh, they're not going to pick up the interim, you know, from the time of arrest. Uh, to holding and that sort of thing, they pick up uh, what's you know, what's what's done after. And I think that's really important that our listeners understand that that in, in essence, until that prisoner is convicted and goes to a state holdings institution, then all of those funds have to be completely uh, afforded by the Pettis County. Uh, yes. Again, that is a great idea in theory of you know housing you build a jail will house your your inmates mm-hmm. for free mm-hmm. uh, but in practice it hasn't it hasn't been beneficial for the county as far as funding goes uh, because again a good portion of those are sedalia pd inmates because they they're they're out there you know killing it they're doing great the pd is out there arresting people uh, they're making good cases and as such there our jail 
has some uh, you know people that are in it that aren't getting out anytime because they've got a good solid case against them that the, mm-hmm. that the city has the city has put together. And by no means am I trying to complain about this at all. It's just we got to figure out something to where we can maintain that jail the way it should be maintained, uh, potentially build onto it. You know, if we were to move into the future, and uh, part of the agreement or part of the sell to the public for this for this jail was they were going to hold federal prisoners. Um, they've yet to do that with inside of that jail, but we are closer now than we ever have been. So it's your plan then to look at housing federal prisoners? Yes, it is with the U.S. Marshals. That's we're working on a contract and um, get, get some inspections. Uh, aligned out to where we can have federal inmates and have a contract with okay. the U.S. Marshals. That is ideal. You know, and with that and with the potential passage of, of the Proposition A, we are on the road to becoming self-sufficient and not relying on the amount of funds that may come out of general revenue. This, was, it, this is really a, 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 an opportunity for the Pettis County Jail and Sheriff's Office to be self-sufficient. So given the utilization of, of the jail currently, Brad, you might indicate roughly what the annual usage is by the county, what the annual usage is by the city. But taking that into account, what kind of capacity would we even have to house federal prisoners if we get to the point of being able to do that and meeting all the requirements? Um, we have a 220-bed facility currently house on average 150 a day. So we've got some room. The contract that you work out with uh, with the federal entity, with ever whomever it is that you choose to contract, you negotiate those those wages of uh, or those bed rental fees that could be anywhere from seventy five to one hundred and twenty dollars a day versus the you know twenty two fifty or forty that we get from other counties if we're housing for them. Uh, but a lot of the money that was coming in previously came from Greene County and from Benton County, and both of those have brand new jails. You know, and they don't have a lot of need for us to hold their their inmates anymore. Our jail is aging; it's to the point where you know it's it's time to it's time to start making some improvements. And and again, I want to I want to make sure that this is clear. The maintenance division at Pettis County has been on top of it. You know, they're doing everything that they possibly can. They're doing it very well. It's just my opinion. At some point, you might be pouring money down the drain when you can do some replacement type of things. Sheriff Anders, a couple times earlier in the program today, we've uh, drawn attention to what you've called Proposition A. Uh, And I believe that's something that uh, we're going to see sooner and hear more about. Uh, That's going to be on the April the 5th ballot. Correct. Uh, And uh, tell us what that entails. So basically what Proposition A is a one-half of 1% sales tax increase that's to be utilized for the Pettis County Sheriff's Office only, Mm -hmm. uh, meaning that it will go towards salaries staffing, the jail, upkeep on the jail, uh, anything that has to do with the operation of the Pettis County Sheriff's Office, that money would go by law specifically to the Pettis County Sheriff's Office. Okay, and that half cent sales tax is going to generate somewhere in the neighborhood of around $3 million. That's a tremendous amount of money coming out of our community uh, to support the jail. So is the Pettis County Commission then going to have an additional $3 million, or what, what are you operating on right now? So Right now, we get just under $4 million a year out of general revenue to operate the jail and okay. to operate the uh, the sheriff's office. Some of that money will be withheld. And this has been a discussion that we've had multiple times, whether it be on the phone or in person with the commissioners, uh, of what my concerns might be with what they will do if this passes. It has been assured that they're not going to just abandon me. But the goal, ultimate goal is, and, with, and I agree with this, is to be ultimately 
self-sufficient to where I don't take money from uh, general revenue. Uh, this is the first step to make that happen, to where that money that they, that they give us now, they can use eventually down the road someplace else, not spending it at the Pettis County Jail or Sheriff's mm-hmm. Office anymore. The half-cent sales tax, is it going to have a sunset like the There's Pettis no County Road and Bridge? No sunset to that at all. And, and is there, have you given thought or addressed the issue that with that extra half-cent, that probably is going to make us one of the highest sales tax uh, communities in our, in our neck of the woods? No, it's not true. Okay. Um, Johnson County is higher uh, than we are. The city of Orangeburg is higher. Uh, it's, uh, it, it, it will put us still a little bit less than what theirs are now. But there again, when you reference uh, when, when I reference Johnson County, that is a, a prime example of how this sales tax increase can make somebody self-sufficient. And at the end of the day, there's an expectation of services when it comes to law enforcement. People want to see deputies out there in the communities. They want their speed enforced, you know, they're in their neighborhoods so their children aren't at risk and that sort of thing. You just can't do it effectively with the number of deputies that we have where we that comes allocated from general revenue. We just don't have it. So if this is an opportunity when people ask what can I do? This is it. You can do this. You can vote for this or you can not vote for that. It's entirely up to you what it is that you choose to do. But if you want our deputies outfitted properly, if you want more people out there, if you want them to have the protective gear that they need, this is the way to do it. Otherwise, we're going to continue operating as if it's a 20 year, as if we're in the history of 20 years. That's all the time we have this morning. Thank you for listening to Let's Talk. Join Ron Tolner, John Meehan, and myself, Bo Matthews, every Saturday at 10 a.m. right here on News Talk 1050 KSIS. A reminder that Let's Talk can be heard Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. on News Talk 1050 KSIS. The show can also be heard on the KSIS radio app and also at KSISradio.com. You can contact us with any comments, questions, concerns, and ideas.